The Athletic. Qatar lit it converter. Richarlison's brilliant brace lights up day five for Brazil as the Celas House see off the Serbs. Elsewhere, recently fired man successfully sues as Portugal beat Ghana. Switzerland downed Cameroon and Uruguay, South Korea, heavy on the Kim, less on the wild. And that's the opening round completed. We check out the day's action and look ahead to Friday. Minas Gerais, 1950, Foxborough, 93, Rustenburg, 2010. Are we set for another special USA-England? It's Totally at the World Cup, sponsored by LifeScoreBet. listener thanks for joining us we're at the back end of day five of this world cup it was sweaty it was steamy it featured some pretty exciting results we're going to talk about it with our friends adrian clark and carl anker here in the studio and also joining us very shortly natalie jedra from uh, well brazil but currently in qatar and also a bit later on we'll be hearing from sam stayskull on friday's big game Mm-mm-mm. all right hey carl it's the end of the first round. Everybody's played. What's your big takeaway? Brazil seem to be the team to beat in this you tournament. Think I really think... More than Spain? I will apply a soft asterisk or footnote on how poor Costa Rica were. But in terms of the quality Brazil displayed and the quality of the opposition served, I think that was the most impressive performance. And also the amount of options Brazil can bring off the bench. If Neymar isn't injured mm. as we're recording this he, he seemed to you know put his head in his hands and have some ice on his ankle if if that isn't as bad as we think it is then I think that they, they remain the favourites for the competition what do you think Adrian is this recency bias it, it could be but they were impressive it was comprehensive wasn't it I think from Brazil didn't give quite a dangerous Serbia side a sniff really in the game I wouldn't put it down as the performance of the round, though. I, th- I think that England and Spain should share that status really? personally. Yeah, just I just thought the fluency of the performances were, were outstanding. Great movement. And, and the thing that really pleased me was the three midfielders, the three youngsters, Bellingham for England, right. and Pedri and Gavi right. for, for Spain. Just so much quality, so much composure. And they're 19, 18, 19. They add up, their combined ages add up to 56. The same age as David Platt, who we all remember from Italian 90 or certain, certain people, people of a certain <laughs> age will remember. It just blows my mind. I played with David Platt. Right. He's not that much older than me. Wow. And these three stars of the World Cup yep. can combine. It, it's frightening how good they are. Adrian, I asked you for a, a conclusion on the opening <laughs> round of matches and I got that, but I got more, so much more. Incredible stream of consciousness. We'll be looking to ride that train with you throughout today's show. Quick check on the results. Here's what happened on Thursday in Group G. It was uh, Switzerland 1, Cameroon 0. That's Cameroon's eighth straight defeat at World Cups. Only Mexico have ever lost more. Uh, they did nine. Cameroon could thus break their record in their final group game this year, which is against Brazil. Uh, right, Brazil who beat Serbia 2-0 on Thursday evening. Group H, meanwhile, it was Uruguay 0, South Korea 0. Much more to come on that game. And Portugal 3, Ghana 2. To quote the analysts, first half boredom, second half bedlam. What an extraordinary match that was. Uh, one question here from Ryan Gray, and this does relate to you know the first round, because one of the standout features has been the number of 0-0s. A lot of theories about this, Adrian. 
Is it the fact that teams had so little preparation? Personally, I think so. Yeah, I do. Because when you've got a short space of time to prepare a team, almost every coach that I've ever worked with, I suspect most national team coaches will focus on defence. They'll focus on, let's get the structure of the team right. Let's get the shape as we need it to be. The attacking bit tends to come with games. It tends to come with match practice. And that's where the instinctive brilliance comes from, the, the pictures that players have in their minds. It comes through match practice, and we've had none. Normally, what is it, three friendlies, I think, a piece before a major tournament. That's where you get the boring stuff out of the way. And you, you, you're supposed to, you know, it's, it's supposed to come together for the big one. So yeah, we've been denied that, and I, I think that's, uh, that's definitely played a part. All right. Why, why is it that teams like Spain haven't had that issue then? Playing pretty poor teams. <laughs> Costa right. Rica weren't very good. Okay. Iran, and in, in England with Iran, the same. I, I think Iran were very distracted, don't you? I think obviously, you know, kudos to them for the for the protest, but with the, with the stance that they took comes a lot of mental strain and and I would suggest off the pitch worry. So I don't think their minds were firmly focused I, on the match. Hmm. Do you know? You know I, I would say England were were very good in the precise manner that Iran are quite weak. So that that Iran squad has a dearth of wingers. Their fullbacks aren't fantastic, and not only do England have some of the best wide forwards in at this World Cup, they also have two of the best ball progressors at fullback as well. So, yes, not to aren't you know quiet the the very serious political situation going on in Iran, but I also I think England were better than Iran because England are, are better in than Iran in the precise manner that Iran are weak too. Another thing that's changed it is. Well, the 2018 group stages had so many penalties. It was the first World Cup with VAR, a lot of you know, rough and tussling uh, on corner kicks and free kicks, and there were just that extra boost there. I'd also say there are a number of national teams at this World Cup that just desperately miss a goal scorer. Right, desperately that- could do with someone with a little bit more now in the final third. That's true. Although here's a shocking statistic. I went back and checked how many goals were scored in the opening round of matches in 2018, thinking it'd be way more than this year, but it's not. It's actually less. Oh. It's actually less. Although most of the ones this time around have come in three matches, essentially. At half time today, if you like, before the second two games, it was exactly 17 goals for England, Spain and France and 17 goals for all the other 29 teams put together. There it is. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't It wasn't 58 minutes a half though, was it? In no, the previous that's World true. Cup. So, that's uh, true. Yeah, I think we, <laughs> you, you really are going some to get goalless draws when you're playing 110 minute matches. That is fair. Uh, just one other thing, you, we, we mentioned the, the, the protest by the Iranian players and, and word on this Thursday, uh, very worrying news actually, the Iranian security forces have arrested footballer Voria Ghaffori, capped 28 times for Iran, on the grounds of having tarnished the reputation of the national team because he'd vocally supported protests. Best wishes to him and everybody who's uh, living through that situation. We'll get on to Thursday's games next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by Bet. Final game of the opening round was Brazil 2, Serbia none whatsoever. Both goals for the Selecao scored by Hishalasson. And joining us now from Qatar is Natalie Jedra of ESPN Brazil. Hi, Natalie. Hello, James. Vai Brasil. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> wow, you're fresh from the game and that's, that's very exciting. On a scale of you know, the other favourites between, say, Argentina at one end to Spain at the other, <laughs> where would you put this Brazil performance? Well, this Brazil performance was 
I'm not. I think Spain is still topping the favorites after what they did in their first match. But I think more important than the win itself, Brazil needed to play well this first match. And first matches of World Cup, they involve such nerves. And I think we saw a little bit of that in that first half because Serbia was always going to be tough. They were always going to defend deep, and they have the, the they're very organized. Their their line of, of five defenders, and the, they're good on the air, but. Brazil struggled on the first half and and second half I think the team was able to show their potential their personality uh what everybody's expecting from Brazil the way they played uh and and the way they they imposed themselves and the the amount of chances they created so uh, for Brazil for Brazilians in general I think it's much more than the win there is an obligation to play a certain way. And and from the start, if you play a certain way from the start, from the first match in the World Cup, this is so important because it just brings the fans together. It just, and, and you could see the satisfaction with the players, uh, the way they celebrated and they're all so together and they're all so aware of what they need to do and the movements they, they need to do because they worked on it. Since before Russia, even because Chichi has been with the team since uh, 2016, so it was very satisfying. For uh, it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> it was exactly it, it was everything we wanted. Both goals from Richarlison. There was a lot of chat in the UK. Some of it in this room about whether Richarlison should be Brazil's yeah. centre forward. It, had there been similar views expressed in Brazil and what did you make of his performance, his response tonight? Honestly, James, I think if you if you asked me at the start of the season who was going to be the number nine, I was going to say Gabriel Jesus because not only he was doing really well at Arsenal, but the coaching staff and Chichi, they all trust Gabriel really. Uh, they, they really mm-hmm. trust him and, and he he's very he's very dedicated tactically he's very he's very useful in in different moments of the match and but Richarlison has something Richarlison has two things that Brazilians really appreciate he has a true passion to be in the national team and he doesn't hide it and he makes it clear every time he can uh, the group loves him and all the Brazilians really love Richarlison. He has this charisma and this uh, spontaneous side in him that really wins the fans the, the, the fans over. And and I think all this passion that, that he has for the national team, it, it really shows uh, every time he's on the pitch. So... In a, in a way, I was surprised that he picked Richarlison because I think Gabriel is more experienced in the national team. Uh, but but well, Chichi was right, absolutely, because because he he played brilliantly. Both goals were brilliant. Second goal was amazing, the volley. Uh, but the first goal, as a proper striker, uh, the way he positioned himself uh, among the defenders and the way he read uh, what uh, Vini Jr. was doing, so that was that was really, really, really positive for Richarlison and for Brazil's uh, attack. And, and speaking about Brazil's attack, James, what I like is that uh, Neymar wasn't brilliant, and because in a way, there's still more to come. Brazil can, mm-hmm. if you have this Brazilian side playing in a night that uh, Neymar's inspired, then you can show a lot more. You know, they they haven't showed all their cards in the first game, but they have showed some really really good ones. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think Vinicius Junior was really effective, wasn't he? Getting in behind the opposition defenders. What I wanted to ask you, though, was about the substitutes, about the the depth, because everybody looks at Brazil's bench and says, wow, um, a little bit like England. Maybe there's more of a wow factor, I have to say, about, about Chiche's squad. But, but Gareth Southgate's been credited with keeping a great spirit, with describing them as finishers, not subs, just keeping everybody happy to just be involved. How does it work with, with your national team? How are Jesus and Martinelli and Rodrigo, how are these people staying happy and on board? Yes, I think there's one one aspect that we really need to stress is how much the players like Chichi. They all uh, pay very high compliments in him because his man management is brilliant. And it was like that in Corinthians and it, it's been like that in the national team. During this entire period, he's been the, the, the head coach. So, and even when you're talking to the players off the record, they always, they're always paying compliments to Tichi because he, he manages the group really well and the coaching staff really helps him with that. So if a player is not playing, he knows why he's not playing and everything is very crystal clear there. There's nothing, uh, and, and this makes the, the group uh, even more together. So to manage players, that playing such a high level in, in, in their clubs and, and to keep them happy on the bench. And, and they are, they're not causing any problems. So, so this is all down to Chichi. And of course, the, the, the substitutions on the second half, uh, attacking wise, were quite impressive because there's so much quality. But you also have these uh, tactical variations in midfield that are so important to keep Brazil's balance as well so so he took off Paqueta that that is such an important player for Chichi because he can play uh in three different roles and he has been playing in three different roles and he's ready to to play all these roles and he puts Fred or he can use Fabinho or he can use uh Bruno Guimarães who's been brilliant this season so uh the attacking players of course they're, they're very impressive but uh what really interests me about this brazilian group is is how much variety you can you can get in different parts of the pitch as well is there any area of the squad that concerns you is there any potential weakness in this brazil squad for uh, my uh, england supporting <laughs> mind just in case we meet later on in the tournament <laughs> Yes, I think all Brazilians would say the the fullbacks uh, because not because they're they're bad options, but it's just that the options on the other positions are just outstanding, and I think mm -hmm. everybody kind of expects Brazil to produce uh, Cafus and Roberto Carlos every year, but but it's it doesn't work like that. And but honestly, I think especially Alexandro, Alexandro played a great match and I was very pleased to see how 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 the fullbacks um, were uh, against Serbia. And Danilo, I think he really matured ever since he, he arrived in Italy and in, in Juventus. He's more solid than he was at, at Man City, for example. So they're not on the same ridiculous level as Cafu and Roberto <laughs> Carlos, because I think that's very unfair. Uh, but but I think uh, the, uh, the group and... and the way Brazil is defending, and Thiago Silva again, he was so good, and Marquinhos, they, they know each other so well. So uh, the, the whole defensive system kind of makes it all work really well. It, it makes sense, you know. 
with both fullbacks, yeah. Brilliant. Well done for finding a flaw in the Seller <laughs> South uh, there, Natalie, even if it wasn't a particularly big one. Next up, you've got Switzerland. That'll be what, Monday, will it be? Yes, it's Monday. But uh, this win against Serbia is... This match was seen as the, the trickiest one in the group mm. for everything that Serbia did uh, on qualifying, topping Portugal's group. So so it, it was a big one. I think Switzerland... Cameroon is, is seen as the... the, the weakest team in the group but switzerland can be can be tricky as well so we'll see all right well enjoy this win for now and we'll catch up with you ahead of the switzerland game natalie jedra thank you very much indeed definitely thank you guys natalie jedra in Qatar. the other game in that group on thursday saw switzerland beating cameroon 1-0 the goal by brill and bolo that's his third Going in three matches for Switzerland. Afterwards, a lot of comment about the fact that he did the I'm not celebrating celebration because he was born in Cameroon but is playing for Switzerland. First time I think we've seen that in international football. Is that right? To my memory, first time I've seen a muted celebration in a World Cup. Mm. Uh, someone also pointed out that Mr. Mbolo's father lives in Cameroon. So I'm sure oh, right. he will have a... Uh, particularly spicy conversation tomorrow morning. How did you feel about Cameroon's performance? Were they the most disappointing of the African sides to that point? Yeah, for the first 20 minutes, it really looked as if Switzerland weren't very good. Cameroon just really didn't seize on a decent opportunity and slowly Switzerland just started turning the screw. Uh, it wasn't a great attacking game here. Uh, so I'm just looking at the stats right now. Switzerland had seven shots, three on target. But I will say there were two or three instances where Granite Xhaka found a lot of space in the final third, like he has been doing for Arsenal, and the final pass didn't come. Mm. So you would hope they would find a way to use that more in their game against Serbia, because I think that would be the one that decides who comes out of this group along with Brazil. Okay. I, th I thought they were okay for, for the first half. Cameroon. I thought, yeah, Cameroon. I thought it was an even, even game. I actually felt that they were handling Switzerland. So they made Switzerland look very predictable. Which they kind of are. They're very structured mm -hmm. in the way that they knock the ball around. Um, but they had a little bit of X factor Cameroon with those runs from midfield, breaking forward. I think Anguisa did it a couple of times. They got some joy down the right. And and what happened was that they reacted terribly to going behind. And what they did is then they chased the game. They ended up making those kind of forward runs with no platform behind them. In the first half, they did it with all the players back. In the second half, they carried on making these forward runs, but the rest of the team was completely out of shape. And that's why I think Switzerland just sort of had a field day. They, they, they began finding spaces that just didn't exist in the first half. So I think tactically, that they got it wrong after conceding. And, and that, that's a mental thing, isn't it? They've, they've, they're disappointed. They've got to calm themselves down and think, hang on, let's stay in the game for 15, 20 minutes. But they didn't. They wanted to get that equaliser straight away and, and the game ran away from them. All right, well, Switzerland topping the group with Brazil then, ahead of Monday's second round of matches. Let's move on then next to what happened in Group H, which was pretty remarkable. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Live Score Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game you reveal five players across the week which make up your squad and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. 
Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. de Portugal em Mundiais. Ronaldo partiu. Lá vai ele. Lá vai ele. Lá vai ele. Lá vai ele. Marcou! Wow, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, taking the critics' words and shoving them right back down their throats with that, with that penalty which broke the deadlock in Portugal's game against Ghana. It made him the first male player ever to score at five different World Cups. Incredible, Carl. I say male player because Marta and Christine Sinclair have scored in five World Cups. Incredible. The other remarkable stat about this was that it meant that he is now both the youngest player to ever score for Portugal and the oldest. Wow. It wasn't it, a penalty. All right. I'm God. sorry. Well, let's, I, I, To make it very clear mm. how I'm talking to you right now, I am wearing the Ghana home kit uh, and I stood up and I had my hand over my heart as Ghana did the national anthem. So I'm, I'm giving you a very partisan view of this well, I'm going to ask you to take, take, the, take that baggage away <laughs> and give us a, a purely impartial view of, of how that game unfolded because it was deadlocked at nil-nil for so long and then the penalty shout set a pretty extraordinary final part of the game in motion. You didn't feel it was a penalty. Adrian, what was your view? No, I didn't think it was All a penalty right. either. But, but to, to be fair to Portugal and Ronaldo, 
I think their fans would say that he had been denied a, a, a goal back in the first half because he hadn't really fouled the Ghanaian defender when he... No? I'm sorry. Again, I'm... I'm wearing a gun. Oh, okay, all right. My Maybe we'll come to you on this, Adrian. <laughs> so anyway, that made it 1-0, and Cristiano Ronaldo, he does a, a special celebration. He's like, I don't know if you've seen it. He does. He leaps up in the air. Very nice. But it was only minutes later that Ghana were back level again. It was. It was It was quite remarkable. Uh, Mohamed Kudus, best Ghanaian attacking player, finds a bit of space, gets a crossing, and Andre Ayu converts, 73rd minute. And what unfolds is essentially what Mr. Clark has just said Cameroon did. Uh, once they equalise. So they Ghana go chasing the game. They make two substitutions in the 77th minute. So Kudus and Andreu come off. Yeah, that's for... what, what was the thinking? I am baffled. Because <laughs> uh, Kudus was easily, easily the best player. Easily Ghana's best attacking player. Not just in this squad, but also the best attacking player I've seen in the Ghana shirt in 10 years since young Andreu came out. Andreu comes off along with uh, Kudus for Bukhari and Jordan Ayu. Uh, and in the... 90 seconds where Andrew Ayu is celebrating with his bench about scoring, he, he turns around and sees uh, Jao Felix has scored. Yeah, for, it, was, for it was a classic moment of uh, hubris, no? yeah. um, comparable to, I don't know, Steve McLaren on Sky Sports News all those years ago. Oh, yes. But yeah, and uh, it, was a, it was Jao Felix who put Portugal back in the lead. And then two minutes later, Ralph Leo scores, uh, a substitute, who came on as a substitute, scores for Portugal because Ghana went chasing the game uh, with no platform in behind the shape this 5-3-2 shape they played for the, much of the first half just completely dissolves and you think this is it 3-1 game over pack it all in but and, then but then uh, another cross uh, a, a headed goal for Bukhari yeah a, a, and the Sioux celebration yeah he does the Sioux celebration uh, much mm. to the uh, chagrin of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Who'd was be... this a wind-up? Was it, or is this something that he does, does all the time? He, he, he's never done that before. Okay, I, think, so... I, w- I wouldn't call it a wind-up. I would... A homage, perhaps. Yes, I'll call yeah. it a homage. Uh, the, yeah. of the, I'll call it one of the Andros Thompson variety. Okay. Where he scored for Everton at, yeah. against Manchester United and he did the Sioux and went, it's a tribute to a player I've idolised. So I'll chalk it up to one of those. Uh, and, and then... And then right at the end, this is extraordinary scene. This would be, what, the 96th minute or something? It's, ni- it's minute 98 of 99. Okay, and Costa, the Portuguese goalkeeper, has got the ball and he's just seeing out the clock and he puts the ball down, but he's got no idea that two metres behind him is... Inaki Williams, just completely hiding in, in his blind spot, runs ahead, nabs onto the ball and then slips. So what would have been one of the... What I will say is it, the camera cuts to Cristiano Ronaldo, who's got his hands... Head, you know, He's got his hands above his head, screaming out, you know, incredulously understanding. I'm, I still can't verbalise what happened because I'm just absolutely baffled at someone who came so close to scoring one of the greatest equalisers you'll see in a World Cup group stage. It's not World cheated Cup. That it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. It was... <sighs> Blimey. All right. He slipped. Inches, inches. But where did all this come from? Because that was another dull game, wasn't it? It was not a classic at all. And it, it felt like, ah... Uh, Finally, we got a goal. It's a penalty, but we'll take it. It's a, it's a goal. At least we got one today. It was really strange because, I mean, over the last, since 2016, perhaps even longer, 
Santos's Portugal have been boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid, Except yeah. for the other night when they played Nigeria and beat them 4-0. But I mean, yeah, free World Cup friendly, whatever. Their entire, you know, the ethos is very much control mm. the space, make sure the opposition can't really do anything. That first half, Ghana didn't have a touch of the ball in the, pen, in the Portugal penalty area. That's Santos sufferable, right? We'll score, we'll keep the ball away from you and we're going to keep your arm's length because it's better to win 1-0 than 4-0, 4-1 or 4-2. That, that's what they do. And then it just... Just complete loss of shape. Uh, I think Santos got his substitutes right. That front three of Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo and João Felix doesn't really work because all three of those men work better when they play off someone who's a more consistent penalty box presence. Um, Raul Leal, have I said that correctly? Rafael Leal. Yep, Rafael Leal uh, added a little bit of burst and some and some dribbling creativity, which really, really helped. Uh, and I think that the, the midfield three behind them needed some reworking because Ruben Neves, as the deepest lying midfielder, never. I don't really think that really works for Valentin Wonders, and I don't really think that will work for for Portugal. I would expect, or would kindly advise, uh, Mr. Santos, who's won a cha- uh, who's won a European Championship and won a Nations League, and has knows far more about football than I will ever ever learn to to play Paulinho instead. Okay, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Adrian, he enjoyed himself so much he even stayed until the final whistle, says the Athletics' Tim Spears. <laughs> what, what, what did you make of his afternoon? He had four shots, didn't he, in the game. He was involved. I don't think we're ever going to see the, the Cristiano Ronaldo of old, but a little bit like Gareth Bale. Mm. He's there for the moment, isn't Is he? he? And he was calling Is that he though? Yeah, he might be. Yeah, he might be, Carl. Do you know, wouldn't it be funny? Everyone came into this World Cup saying, oh, it's going to be Messi's last World Cup. He's going to... Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out to be CR7's World Cup instead? Hilarious. I mean, it wouldn't. <laughs> um, I mean, not. Well, uh, but, uh, probably won't but, happen. Hang on, though, but this, this is a guy... I know that he's not been good this season. But he did score 18 goals last season. That was, wasn't I, terrible. Th- that was last season in a in a team that had their worst ever finish in the Premier League, in Premier League history. And what I will say about Ronaldo's performance today, and again, please, I'm wearing a Ghana shirt. I am in no, I have no interest in being bipartisan here. But I'm just one sided on this thing. Mm-hmm. You again saw the issues Ronaldo has had that you saw from Manchester United in that he doesn't have that burst of pace to get away from, from players anymore. I think the, the goal that was ruled off for being a foul, mm. uh, he probably scores that without making it a foul a year ago, two years ago, because he has the extra yard of pace. He had an opportunity in the first half where the goalkeeper sort of shot off his line and stopped the heavy touch that Ronaldo took. Right, yeah. He would have scored that. I think he would have scored that There three was or four a classic Ronaldo moment where there's a cross and he leaps about 70 metres into the yeah. air and you think, here we go. But... It's not quite there anymore, and it's a, he, he he puts it well wide. I in think the end. yeah. But, I, I don't disagree with yeah. a lot of what you're saying, but I think we're also almost conveniently forgetting that that players need rhythm, players need games, right, players right. need a manager that likes them. Okay, and all of these things have been denied Ronaldo this season. So I'm going to say he he could still. Impre- he could get a little it bit. Be, I will, okay, it, it that is be, a very good counter argument, and I concede. It will be on a, that one. Yeah, yeah. Fair we'll, we'll come back to this. There'll be round two, I'm sure, because uh, the Ronaldo story will continue. Portugal topping the group, of course, after the nil-nil earlier on Thursday between Uruguay and South Korea. Kaz B says, "I went to Uruguay against South Korea. Was it a good game? Sort of not sure." Kaz B, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid there's bad news. I don't think he went <laughs> to a good game. Very little happened. <laughs> 
the commentators spent most of their time discussing the Korean lineup and the fact that they have five people called Kim in it, yes. <laughs> which Kim is a popular name in Korea, 21% of the population on that. But still, it was quite remarkable. This is how Italian commentators read the South Korean lineup. La Corea del Sud con Kim, 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 Jung, Wang, Naso, Lin, e Wang. There you go. I notice nobody's doing this, by the way, with the uh, Serbian team and the number of Milinkovic's they, they have, which is similar numbers, similar. Anything else we should know about this game? There was a sitter, wasn't there, that was missed by South Korea. Oh, I mean, goodness me, was that, a, was a, that was a shocker. There, was also, there were also two Uruguay shots that hit, uh, came off the woodwork, one from Valverde. Valverde, was, Valverde was, was one of the standouts, wasn't he? I thought, I thought he was everywhere, as he so often is. It was a great effort. He produced uh, a wonderful piece of tracking back and a tackle. And which was then accompanied by the now customary World Cup fist pump. Right. That's what you have to do when you produce a tackle, even if it's on the halfway line. Um, we saw a great tackle from uh, Jimenez inside the box as well. So there were little moments mm. to admire, but it wasn't a great game. I think we had one shot. One on shot, yeah, yeah, which is the, the lowest number of shots in a World Cup game since 1986, Scotland against Norway. <laughs> what we what we also saw in the game was uh, the continuation of this theme of old, once were great centre forwards that are now at the top end of the pitch, right. kind of just taking up a is spot. Is it Luis Suarez? It's Luis Suarez, Gareth Bale, Ronaldo. There Luis Suarez looks very slow mm. in his cameo really today. Uh, one thing that impressed me was was the the intensity of South Korea's press uh, and also Uruguay's way to counteract that which was just 60 yard balls over the top all right um so yeah i think the first 25 minutes looked like it would be a tactically intriguing nil nil and then it ended up being a, a tactically dull nil nil mm. a lot of, lot, lot of long balls yeah, in the yeah. game just one observation on uruguay obviously at the top end of the pitch with suarez yeah no, no pace at all uh -huh. i think they need nunez there at the back, they've got Godin, who, who basically gives himself about... They're kind of seven. the Atletico Madrid of international football, aren't they? Yeah, but he gives himself about eight yards. <laughs> he yes. just stays deeper than everybody right. else so that he can make up for the lack of speed. So they've got no uh, no dynamism at either end, yet in the middle of the pitch. Mm -hmm. They've got three of the fittest, most athletic midfield players at the tournament. List them. Uh, well, you've got... <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. You've got Mr Valverde, you've, you've got, got Bentacor, uh, and you've got Vicino. That's well, it, there you yeah. go. That's it, yeah. Nice. And, and and I thought I thought that they look good and and they'll be a match for anybody. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's not a game we're going to remember. Okay, all right. Uh, Friday, we'll talk about that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that then? 
Well, it, it's, um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's what well, he's, he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area, and... Uh... Oh, uh, sorry, I've just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline 0800 433 433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game, love the game. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. There's a special offer this week, listener. You can purchase a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the next 12 months. If you fancy a bit of that, go to theathletic.com slash totally for details. So the second round is about to get underway. In Group A, 1pm on Friday, it's another chance for host Qatar to score or have a shot on target as they host Senegal, who also lost their opener a 2-0, of course. And meanwhile, uh, round one's winners in that group, Netherlands and Ecuador, will face each other. That's at 4 o'clock UK time. In Group B, 10am, it's Wales-Iran. Iran, who were beaten 6-2 by England back on Monday. Wales, who are winless in six matches after the point they picked up later on Monday against the USA. That game is the early one on Friday in the evening. Meanwhile, hello, England-USA. England-USA. England, of course, are the favourites, but... Then again, they were, weren't they, in 2010 in Rustenburg when it finished 1-1. And they were in 1993 as well in Foxborough when it finished 2-0 USA. And of course, they were in 1950 in Minas Gerais when USA beat England 1-0 in a match so iconic they made a movie of it. You know, there's not a single person out there in those stands who knows who we are. Most people don't even think we belong here. But we are here. We're about to go out there and play the best team in the world. Well, there's your team talk. There you go, a bit of Game of Their Lives, or Miracle Match, as it was also known in some regions, that film, features uh, Gerard Butler. Anyway, we're joined now by a man who knows exactly who the US MNT is, Sam Stayscore. <laughs> Sam, Hello. To paraphrase Paul Revere, the English are coming. <laughs> they are indeed. Man, I did not expect a Paul Revere reference right there. That's a good one. All right. Where, where are you at the moment? It sounds like the, the, the biggest Thanksgiving party around. Yes, I am in the FIFA main media center at the Qatari National Convention Center in Doha. I actually just came from a, a Thanksgiving meal, as a matter oh, of yeah. fact, that, that U.S. soccer hosted in conjunction with Major League Soccer for a group of reporters and other folks. So I'm, I'm speaking to you on a very full stomach of turkey and other things. All right, that sounds very nice. Let's talk a little bit about the game against Wales. A couple of days on, what's your feeling? A, f- a fabulous Timothy Ware goal, but then felt like mm-hmm. three points thrown away? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I watched it again yesterday morning, Wednesday morning, and I actually felt a little bit better about the performance in some ways. You know, watching it live, there was such a contrast between the first and second half in terms of how Wales were playing that it felt like the second half went a little worse for the U.S. than than I think it did on the second watch. Um, But they struggled. They they, they got into good spots, but they struggled doing anything from those good positions. The final ball was really lacking on Monday night, and that is, uh, unfortunately for this team, a bit of a common theme. 
So we'll see if they can clean that up uh, on Friday against England. They're going to need to if they're going to get a result because England are going to be causing a lot more problems than Wales for the U.S. defense. Okay, what are the prospects for USA? I, I've seen suggestions that this is the kind of game that this U.S. team are built for. Yeah, in some ways, I believe that's true. You know, that they are a team that thrives in transition. We saw Wales really set up in a low block, as they like to do, and invite the U.S. to break them down with the ball, and that's not something that the U.S. is amazing at. Uh, having said that, the U.S. hasn't played a team as talented as England, maybe at any point, under Greg Berhalter. Um, so, yeah, the, the style might, might fit them a little bit better than the, than the game against Wales did, but England is more talented at literally every single position. I'm not sure there's a single player on the U.S. roster that would have made England's team, maybe one or two, perhaps. Um, so it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a very uphill battle for the U.S. Uh, and if they can get a point, I think they'll leave really, really happy. If England have the man-to-man -man advantage then through the team, what does the U.S. side have in, uh, to their advantage? Well, I think a psychological edge could potentially come into play. Um, I think we saw that a little bit in the 2010 game between these teams. Obviously, these groups are entirely different. Um, and obviously, this England group, I think, has handled pressure maybe better than those past generations of England teams did. But American, in the American soccer psyche, to the extent one exists, England holds a very special place. And U.S. soccer, men's soccer in particular, is always fighting for respect and always fighting to prove themselves. And there is no better team to prove yourself against and to earn that respect than England. So this is going to be, I mean, the, the players won't say it, but this is the biggest match of their tournament, certainly in the group stage. It might even be bigger than, the, than a round of 16 matchup should they advance to that point. So they're going to come out firing. They're going to come out really, really intense. Uh, they're going to come out fired up, maybe a little bit like what we saw from, from Canada last night in terms of them, their mentality and confidence and swagger. So if there is an edge for the U.S., I would say it's just the stage. They've handled that, the big stages really well in the past, this team. And uh, I think they'll come out with, with a good bit of extra fire against England. All right. Are there any changes that you expect Greg Berhalter to, to make? And which changes do you think he should make ahead of this game? You know, the big debate is about Gio Reyna and his availability. And there was some question about that against Wales. He did not come into the match, which surprised myself and many other people. Uh, Reyna, of course, is, is a very talented attacking player for Borussia Dortmund, very good friends with Jude Bellingham, as a matter of fact, just turned 20. Um, and he has the ability with the final ball and the creativity and the vision and the dribbling skill that really nobody else on the U.S. team has. And, and so we don't know how healthy he is. Berhalter said he held him out because he was a little bit concerned. He had some tightness. Reyna said after the match that he had been good to go. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Uh, for that reason, I don't think he will start. Uh, I do think he will get into the game, though, particularly if the U.S. are trailing in the second half. In terms of any changes that I would make, you know, I don't think I would make any. I think I would keep the same team. Um, if you wanted to make an argument for starting Brendan Aronson instead of Weston McKenney, I think you could probably do that, but McKenney is very good on set pieces. The U.S. as a whole struggles a little bit to defend set pieces. England, as we saw on Monday, did well on those against Iran. So I think McKenney will stay in for that reason, as well as a few others as well. Wow, there you go. Sam stays cool. What a game this looks like being. Friday, Adrian. It's on ITV. Mm -hmm. 
USA, England. Will they show the goals this time, I wonder? Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Uh, for those who don't know, the last time this game happened in the World Cup in 2010, ITV HD yep. cut to, there was a delay, there was an advert, and people missed Steven Gerrard's opener. Yeah, it was a car advert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shocking, wasn't it? Oh, right. I, I, I've tried to forget that game. That was that was not good. Oh, it was not the whole good. World Cup. Yeah. yeah, not good from an England perspective. But look, it sounds like USA are going to be pumped up for it, doesn't well, it? Well, if they yeah. watch that movie beforehand, <laughs> yeah, well, they will be coming. You've seen a uh, game of their live stroke miracle match. It is hilarious. It is unintentionally hilarious. I, I would recommend highly that everyone should check out the, the trailer on YouTube. And uh, it's... Patrick Stewart's in it as an American re- sports reporter. Yes, it's, it's of... Uh, it's from a very particular time in US filmmaking when they understand that soccer is a big deal, but they don't necessarily understand how to shoot it or why it's a big deal. That, that's been a perennial problem for filmmakers all over the world, <laughs> making realistic soccer on film, football on film. I mean, it, this is probably not the time or the place. Adrian, you want to say something about England's midfield? I mean, you were mentioning them before. Yeah, I, I think, well, America are a, a medi- mediocre team, aren't they? Let's be Woof. honest. I th- He's I th- gone for it, hasn't he? They're, they're not the best. He's gone for it. I don't think... Straight in. I wow, think... Clip this one up for Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't really rate this side. I, I, I think their, their strongest department is in central midfield where they've got a lot of energy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of enthusiasm, and, and maybe the ability to sort of make life difficult for our players and get in their faces but beyond that I don't, I don't see too much of a problem and and the reason why I'm so confident about England in this game is that our central midfield I know I know I, should, I know I'm tempting fate but I just feel our central midfield is arguably the best it's been in in many many tournaments I, th- I think we're we're as well equipped to, to dominate the US engine room as anybody and uh, I think I think we'll win the game comfortably. I'm reading that England boss Gareth Southgate is expected to name an unchanged lineup for the second game against USA uh, on Friday which means that Harry Kane's ankle is sufficiently unswollen to allow him to take part. Seems good. Seems like that will be really important for how England want to attack. Uh, I, I know you've, you've talked a lot about England's midfield. Mm. Wales looked to try and match the USA in midfield in a 1-1 draw before realising actually just get to the big lad up top. And, I mean, England don't necessarily have a big lad, but I, I wouldn't... Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire for set-piece? Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah why not? I, I think oh, Saka against Anthony Robinson might be an interesting battle because Robinson loves to fly mm-hmm. up that left. He'll be either the most ambitious player. Will he still do that? Up against Bakayo Saka, who played so well in that opener, I wonder. So, um, yeah, there's a few interesting battlegrounds. Well, the United States men's team are good and it clicks. They are very well known for their positional discipline and how essentially organised and and rigorous they are. I'm here, I'm here, you're there, boom, 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 boom. But even at their best, they do like a little bit of edge in that final third. So... They, they had six shots against Wales, and everybody said, weren't they good in the first half? Mm-hmm. The, the bottom line is, they played Wales, had six shots, and scored from their only shot on target. I don't I don't know if they've got the tools to hurt. Or maybe uh, they'll bring in Gio Reyna this time for a kind of <laughs> young prodigy Borussia Dortmund mm-hmm. derby with, with Jude Bellingham. Yeah, why not? But uh, I, I, one thing I will say is this, Adrian. Mm-hmm. I bet in 1950, the night before, there were pundits going... <laughs> Well, this USA team are very mediocre. <laughs> I'm not concerned at all about them. And I bet in Rustenburg. And I, I bet in Foxborough as well, Massachusetts. What have I done? What have you done?
Well, we'll see anyway. Uh, we'll be back on Friday night. That brings us to the end of today's show. So many thanks to Natalie Jedra, who joined us earlier, and Sam there a short time ago, and Carl and Adrian, and special guest producer Steve. Tomorrow night, Friday night, for you, Tom and Liam will be in to review the action. Of course, that Wales game as well. And we'll be, you know, having chats with friends from around the globe, hopefully, as well. So hopefully you'll be joining us too, listener. For now, that's it. From all of us here, it's goodbye. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.